0: Okay, <clears throat> so today's the sixth, quick one in Proverbs 6, for these commands are a lamp, this teaching is a light, and the corrections of discipline are the way of life. That's a great, good, good one. Go ahead. Welcome to the Research Labs of Better. Today we're taking a look at two of our test subjects. Martin has asked Julie on a first date. Let's take a look. Hey, I am so excited to see this movie. I've heard so much about it. I love you. Okay. Too soon. Let's see what it looks like with better. Hey, I am so excited to see this movie. I've heard so much about it. Me too. When life hands you choices, Choose better. So, okay, I don't know if you caught it or not, but at the door, he says to her first things out of his mouth, "I love you." It's like, you know, first date—that's a little bit, anyway. Lost a little bit. How, how, how many of you, um, you love a, you know, nice, perfectly cooked steak? Yeah. Any meat lovers? Yeah. I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, I love red meat, and I apologize to those of you that are <coughs> vegetarians. Maybe for you it's a nice, you know, perfectly mushy tofu or something or whatever. I don't, I don't know what it is that takes a a, <laughs> a vegetarian to that same place. But <coughs> for me, it's a perfectly cooked steak, you know. Um, and um, so, you know, people talk about where what, what food is like, where they're from. And I've, you know, interacted with lots of people from lots of places, and there would be people that would come like from the middle part of the south, the middle part of the country and they would always talk about the great steaks that you get from Oklahoma and and Texas, you know, and you know, you can buy steaks online from Omaha. I mean, really expensive, nice, supposedly the best and so forth. So, I had this opportunity on ministry to fly to Tulsa and take a look at a ministry there. And uh, so I got off the airport with a couple other people and got off the plane and and uh, we, the taxi picks us up to take us to our hotel. So we say to the taxi driver, you know, Where's a good steak? And he kind of looks at us like, you know, do you know what a good steak is? You know, he was wanting to know if we were going to say Outback or something. You know, what, what what what's a good steak? We said, no, no, a, you know, some place that's known for being the best steaks. And he says, okay, I'll take it. So he takes us to this rattle trap looking place. It was kind of scary looking. It looked like an old run down house. And there was lots of cars. He said, just go in that door right there. And it looked like the back porch door, you know, a screen door. It was, you know, there was stuff piled up on the, out back. So we walked through the door, and we're actually walking now through the kitchen. There's stuff stacked up. People are busy, but they're not like saying, what are you doing here? It's It like, must have been normal to come in the back door. So we go through the door, and we come to the counter where the maitre d' you know, takes you to your table. The place is full. So it's already, you know, there's something about it. It's, people weren't going there because of the ambiance. I mean, it wasn't because of the nice building. And so we go in this place. And they see this, and you can see it's, this, is, this is red meat heaven. There's all these people, and there's all these steaks and all these meats on all these tables. And so our waiter seats us, and in about two or three minutes, he shows up with this platter full of samples. You know, like some restaurants bring you bread. He brings these samples, and on the samples are all kinds of different, you know, like steak and roast beef and bologna and other kinds of meats. You know, I didn't see any shrimp. And uh, that's fine with me. So, But bologna, you know, it's a big, thick chunk of bologna. Okay, and I mean, I, I look at that and I'm thinking, you know, what's that all about? I look around the room and actually see people who on their plate didn't have a piece of steak, they had a great, big, round, <laughs> thick chunk of bologna on their steak plate. And I'm thinking, you know, that's not what I came here for. I mean, have you seen... Do we have that? There's a picture of a bologna steak. Now, here's what I know about bologna. I I mean, I I, I don't mind bologna. It's perfect on a sandwich. I mean, my dad taught me that if you're gonna have a fried bologna sandwich, you cut the slices in the corners so that it stays flat, and you get those funny little notches. You know what I'm talking about? And here's the other thing I know. And you'll forgive me for this, but I thought you might enjoy this. My bologna has a first name. It's O S C A R. My bologna has a second name. It's M A Y E R. I like to eat it every day. And if you ask me why, I'll say that Oscar Mayer has a way with B O L O G N A. Okay, don't you ever tell me. <laughs> I don't want to hear any more excuses. I can't memorize scriptures. Just I'm done with that. Then there's another kind of bologna that I've seen out there, which is you know I guess if you really really into bologna, you can have a bologna popsicle. But I didn't come to this authentic steakhouse to have bologna. Although I tried it in the sample, and it was really the best bologna I've ever had. It was still bologna. And then when I, the steak that I ordered came, it was indescribably better. Can I get everybody to say the word Better. Better. Yeah, it was indescribably, indescribably better. How many of you would like to have a better year this year than last year? (laughs) Wow. Yeah, you'd have to be kind of crazy not to want to have a better year. The tragic thing is that so many people in our culture are instead pursuing the good life. The good life. We want nice things, we want comfort, we want convenience, we want fun, and there's nothing wrong with all of those things so long as the Lord has your whole heart. Those things are fine. But the tragedy is that so many people are settling for the good life when God has something indescribably better for you. So we're starting out this new series and i have got this key thought, and, uh, and, and I'm just gonna suggest this right up front. You have to let go of the good sometimes to grab hold of the better. You're gonna have to let go of the good, stop settling for the good life. God has something indescribably better. And you're never going to get the stake if you keep settling for baloney. <laughs> so today we're starting this new series called Better. And over the next um, few weeks, we're gonna take a look at different verses that have the word better in them. And we're gonna memorize a few verses together. I know we can do it. Next week, we're gonna talk about a verse which I think w- could shake things up a little bit. And I think that for many it could be a defining verse in our lives. And that, and that verse is, is better is one handful with tranquility than two with toil and a chasing after the wind. That's, that's where we're going to be next week. And unfortunately, our world drives us to the place to want to take two hands full. So, so many of us are overwhelmed and we're overworked and we're stressed out and we're burned out and there's no intimacy with our wife and there's no intimacy or husband or our kids or with God and um, we're gonna learn that better is one handful with tranquility than two handfuls with toil. But i want to start this week with uh, what, what, what's gonna be our memory verse for this week and it's Psalm 84.10. But I wanna start by giving you a little bit of context um, and I'm gonna read some earlier verses so I'm gonna start verse one and two. To, to do this, so the psalmist here in this case, he's talking to God, and he says this: How lovely is your dwelling place, O Lord Almighty? My soul yearns, even faints, for the courts of the Lord. Now, if you're new to the Bible um, or this phrase, you know you might be saying and wondering, you know, what's this? What's, what are they talking about? The courts of the Lord. Anytime you see that in the Old Testament, it's it's kind of a picture that represents the presence of God, because God would dwell in the temple. And many people would go to the temple, and the point was to get as close to God as they could by going, by going there. He says, my soul yearns, even faints for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh cry out for the living God. And now here's our memory verse. Verse 10, better is one day in your courts, in other words, better is one day in your presence, God, than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper, that's the lowest kind of spot there, um, in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So, let's let's practice. Let's say this together. Leave this up for a couple of times, would you, Marley? Okay. So, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Again, better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Again, Better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Okay, take it down. Take it down. Take it down. That's good. Let's do it together. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Better is one day in the house... Okay, let's do that right. Better is one day in the courts of my God than. Okay, so we're going to work on that. The problem is that so many people just don't believe it. That's the problem here. They just don't believe it. In fact, I think for years I really didn't believe it. You know, before I was a Christian, I kind of thought Christians were stupid hate to tell you this, but non-Christians kind of think Christians are stupid. I mean, they're not all as, you know, arrogant as I would have been or was or maybe am sometimes. I mean, but they think that. Christians are stupid. Why would you want to, you know, wake up early and go to some boring church service and live under a bunch of rules and become judgmental? And, you know, why would you want to do all that when you can instead be fun like me, (laughs) right? And that's how they think because sin is fun right? How many of you know that sin actually can be fun for a short time, and then it kicks your tail? Now, don't get all churchy on me. Come on. you might, Don't trip here. I mean, don't get all churchy. You know, You know that sin can be fun for a while, but then it really catches up, and there's a definite cost to it. It's kind of like a sneeze. <laughs> Feels really good for a moment, and then there's this slime everywhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, third-grade humor always works in a church service. And then I get home and my wife has a chat with me. <laughs> so now, anyway, I, back then, I didn't think that better is one day. Better is one day with God. I didn't just think that way. And maybe you have felt that way, or maybe you do. And I hope to, through the power of the Spirit of God, through His Word, convince you that better is one day with God than a thousand days elsewhere. And you may, may, might ask yourself, you know, well, how is it better? Well, I'm going to give you a quick overview, a quick list, of, you know, how is it better? It's, it's better because God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. It's better because Scripture says that his love is better than life. Better than life. It's better because with Christ you have the forgiveness of your sins. It's better because with Christ you have security of knowing about your eternity. It's better because you have joy unspeakable. Not based on your circumstances, but you have joy unspeakable. It's better because you can have supernatural peace. You can you know, The world can be falling down around your ears and you can have a supernatural peace that goes beyond your understanding. Something that your non-Christian friends have no concept about. And you've watched that happen before probably. It's, it's better because you have a divine purpose and calling. Psalm 139 says that the Lord knew your days before there was a single one of them written down. He knew what you were made of because he put it in you. He knows how you're built. You have a divine purpose and a calling. And it's better because God's power, the word of God says that God's power is with you. The very same power that raised Christ from the grave is in you and me. That's a big deal. We don't tap into it. It's better because you have the provision for whatever God calls you to do. He is your provider. It's better. It's just plain better, indescribably better, a day with God. Now, I'm not saying that a day with God, you have that, and that you'll never have difficulties, you'll never have trials, you'll never have hard times. That's just simply not true. I'm not saying that at all. In fact, I'd rather be in the middle of a storm with Jesus than on the shore without him. A day with him is better than a thousand elsewhere. And if that's true, it raises a question. If better is one day with God, how do we have a day with him? If you would have asked me this years ago, I would have t- probably described to you, well, here's what you do. You get up early in the morning while it's still dark and you read your devotion and you pray and you make notes and, and um, then you go on to your day. I need some water. Too much yelling up front. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm sorry. But the problem with that understanding, that's not a bad answer, by the way. That's a good thing to do, spend time with the Lord and and reading the word. That's, That's really good. But the problem is that my understanding was that you kind of had time with God, which was your spiritual time, your quiet time. And then you went on to your normal time. You had your time with God, and then you had your normal time. And I want to encourage you that there is a biblical teaching and, and understanding that's, you know, that rather than having a compartmentalized time with God, I encourage you to live with an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence. You can recognize it all day long, all the time, you can be aware that God is with you, he's guiding you, he's comforting you, he's convicting you, and he's speaking to you. You don't just have to have time with God. You can actually do life with God. Think of it, you know, maybe this way. In the Old Testament, there is no in the Old Testament, there is no Hebrew word for spiritual. No word. The concept isn't proper in the Old Testament. I'm not sure where it's proper in fact. I mean, if, if you would have had a disciple walk up to Jesus and say, hey, how are you doing in your spiritual life? Jesus would have said, huh, what? Not like he didn't understand, but he would have gone, he would have gone like, hold on a second. I'm about my father's business. There is no such thing as something that's not spiritual. I mean, I don't know what you're talking about. You've got, there's something haywire here. And, and to call one thing spiritual, if you call anything spiritual, that's to suggest that other things are not spiritual. And Jesus would have gone, hold on. Tilt, that doesn't really compute. Or you can think about it You know, in another way. In the Old Testament, God would dwell in the temple. People desiring to be with God would go to the temple courts. In other words, you had to go somewhere if you wanted to be with God. You had to actually go there. And um, in the New Testament, for those of you who are Christians, the Bible says that you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes. You and I are. So check this out. You don't have to go somewhere to be with God. God has come to be with you, to dwell with you. And because of that, you can literally have a day with God, not just time with God, but a day with God. And here's what's amazing. If you can have a day with God, you can have a week with God. If you can have a week with God, you can have a month with God. If you can have a month with God, you can have a year, you can see where this is going. If you can have a year with God, you can have a lifetime with God. And then suddenly, we have this, ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence. You know, Paul's words can make sense now in Colossians 3.17. I'll read them to you. And whatever you do, whether you're driving to work or you're texting your mom or you're going to the grocery store or you're studying for your chemistry exam or you're practicing your piano, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's spiritual. It's all spiritual. You can do it with an unending awareness Of God's presence, you can literally do life with God. Better is a day with God than a thousand elsewhere. So, how do we go and do and have a day with God? If you're like me, you know you can start out with really good intentions. You know you're a Christian, so you start out with some Bible reading, and you, for some reason, you turn on the TV, and then an hour goes by, and pretty soon, you know your life just starts happening. I'm going to give you three habits to develop, and if you incorporate these habits into your life, you'll find out what's better. It's an ongoing, unending relationship with Christ. So the first one is develop the habit of constant communication with God. 1 Thessalonians five sixteen and 17 says this. Be joyful always, pray continually. One version says pray without ceasing. In other words, you pray all the time. I don't know about you, but um, I can be a little distractible. You probably have noticed that before. I can be up here on something and all of a sudden I go off on these rabbit trails. I, I'm going to start praying about something and then I realize tomorrow's garbage day. Lisa has to get the garbage cans out. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean. <clears throat> How many of you got one of these? None of you have a cell phone? I mean, I know you're afraid I'm gonna use it against you if I, if I get you to admit something. I mean, I pretty much most of us have this, and when I have this, I'm pretty well connected to everybody I love, everybody that I... I mean, I'm connected to people because of this thing. I mean, do any of you ever take this to the bathroom with you? Oh, come on. You take it and you set it on the counter while you're showering. You keep it with you in case... The publisher's clearinghouse calls to say they're coming <laughs> or they call you so that you can answer the question. and win the. Pr- I mean, you, you take it with you pretty much everywhere all the time. You have this, some of you sleep with it on your nightstand just in case. I mean, and you know, w- what, what it's really good for is these communications that go on all the time in little short bursts of valid communication that happen all the time. I mean, um, you know, I don't know how many of you Twitter. I don't tweet. Um, A lot of people do, but I mean, you can send this, you know, in a 140 characters or less. You post something in there, and those who follow you get an update on what's going on. You know, my steak was medium well, and I got fries with it. Mmm, good. (laughs) Okay. Or another another um, you know aid that people use is Facebook. I got a thing about Facebook. I'm not crazy about Facebook, but I'm there. I mean, I mean, well. I have a presence there, although I don't ever look at it, Uh, but I know other people, they're on it all the time, and you communicate with people all the time. Another one is text message. I mean, and we can send these texts to each other, and little short messages that are important, and they get through. In fact, hey, I got a text here right now from my wife. (laughs) Hmm. Hmm. uh, No. Preaching great. That's good. Look good, too. <laughs> I'm not sure if I can read all this, honey. Mom, what does it mean when a girl says hot to you in a text message? Um, I think I'm to, just excuse me, I'm busy for just a minute here. You are Mm -hmm. That last part was for us, and you just don't need to know. So all day long, I have this short yet powerful communications with God going on. When you talk to God, it doesn't have to be an hour-long spiritual warfare prayer, although that's really good. And a lot of people, I really believe, are called and anointed by the Lord for that kind of prayer. And it's good for everybody to do that occasionally. And some people are just bent that way. That's that's what fuels their tank, and and so forth. But it doesn't have to be that when you talk to God. It doesn't have to be only, Lord, bless this meal. Um, but instead, think of short bursts of communication with the Lord. You know, it can be ongoing all the time, constant, consistent. You know, on the way to work. You're driving along and the sunrise is coming up and you're just struck with how beautiful it is. And you say, God, you can really paint. This is beautiful. I worship you. And you get to work and you look at your boss and you say, Lord, grant me the grace to deal with this woman again. <laughs> or, you know, I'm not being physician. Or at work, you look at a coworker and you say, you know, I can see hurt in that face, Lord. Is there something I should do to encourage them? And the Lord will speak to you. Or your son's got this exam or you you say, Lord, just cover this time where this person is hurting. Am I supposed to be doing something? And on and on and on. In 140 characters or less, you communicate with the Lord. It's constant. It's constant. And suddenly we're praying without ceasing and on, an ongoing, uh, uh, unending awareness of the presence of the Lord. And, and you're, you're talking to him about anything and everything. And you're having a day with God. You're not compartmentalizing time with God, but you're literally having a day With God, I want to encourage you throughout the day to think, you know, if you have to, like it's text messaging. You know, here's a text prayer to God over and over again. And I don't mean in any way to minimize the importance of spending time with God. I'm not saying compartmentalize compartmentalize into smaller chunks. I'm saying make it a constant conversation, a constant conversation with the Lord. So the second thing is develop the habit... (coughs) Of instant obedience to God. Communicate constant communication with God and instant obedience to God. Galatians 5 says this. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Let us keep in step with the Spirit. So here's the deal with God. If you're constantly communicating with Him, you're constantly in His word, you know what's going to happen. I, I want to just take a minute, um, sidestep for a minute, and promote some things. Um, you know, if you have a phone. Or a, a smartphone or whatever, there are great apps out there for you. In fact, um, I'll bet you a lot of people. When you come to church, this is your Bible. I mean, it, for me, is my Bible everywhere I go. Although I have other Bibles too, I've got so many Bibles. But there are apps, and they're free. Here's the first one. is called U Y O U Version. It's free, and you can go and you can download <coughs> Bible um, versions, or you can you know read them off offline. It's it's very very convenient. And it's a donation by a church. There's a church in the Midwest that, that basically provides this for free to everybody in the world. And I think they've probably given away hundreds of millions of, of versions of it. Another one, another app that I like is um, from a church, a Foursquare square church in um, Oahu, New Hope. Oahu, it's a Foursquare church there. And if you're used to doing prayer journaling, solid life journals and so forth, um, that really came from this church and they provide all kinds of resources. But when you get this app and you go into the next screen, when you get this app if you decide to like it, there this is what it looks like at least on an iPhone. And you'll see that that button at the top it says devotions. When you push that, it'll take you for to the reading for the day. Okay? So if, you're, if you want to read through the Bible in a year, which I encourage you to do, this one will take you to an app and it will actually have the text that you're to read that day. And if you're too busy to do that, it will read it out loud to you. It will. And that's legitimately reading the word of God. It, you push the button and it will read out loud to you the scriptures for that day. So while you're putting your sugar on top of your frosted flakes or whatever you do... <coughs> You can have it reading to you, the word of God. I mean, there there are lots of great tools. Anyway, so if you're constantly communicating with God, you're constantly in his word, what's gonna happen? I'll tell you. He's gonna speak to you. He'll bring his word to your memory, and he's gonna speak to you. He's gonna prompt you by his word in different circumstances, and occasionally he's gonna ask you to do some things. And when he does, you just do it. You instantly Obey him. I'm going to give you this crazy example, um, and it's you know it's not all the examples are going to be this dramatic, but this one is particularly meaningful to me. Um, I've been in ministry for quite a long time, and and um, this is years ago now, at least ten, maybe more. I don't know. And uh, at that point, I'm very very busy in ministry, managing you know a lot of things, a lot of activities, big church, lots of stuff going on, big staff. Plus, I got a Family that's growing, and they're going through school, and all these activities, and so I'm a pretty busy guy. And I realized that um, my baby Joseph, youngest one of our children, was going to be entering high school as a senior the following year. And in all that ministry life, I had never once gone with any of my kids to summer camp. Wow, how'd that happen? I mean, I love my kids; they're not warped or anything. I don't think they're they're, they're not they're not too warped, are they? I mean. But I'd never gone to camp, and and I kind of broke my heart, and I thought, I want to go to camp. So the fact that I'm more playful and less work-oriented, immature is another way of describing it, Um, (laughs) we decided that we would go on the Friday of his camp, because if you know anything about high school camps, it's Friday is like the big giant play day, okay? They've done a lot of stuff all week long, and Friday is usually a very profound day, and then they have a big spiritual blow-up on Friday night, and then they come home on Saturday, and at this point, the camp <coughs> that Joseph was attending was in Eastern Washington all the way over by Spokane, and of course, we were in Olympia. So I decided we're going to go, but I kept it a secret. I didn't tell anybody on the staff, I didn't tell anybody because you know if, if, if I'd told them then they would have thought up something for me to do, and I just wanted to go play. I just wanted to go hang out with young people. I just wanted to go just enjoy the day. So we, um, <coughs> we take off one Thursday afternoon and uh, we drive to Moses Lake. Get a hotel room, and we're thinking, okay, get up in the morning, get to camp, and we'll have All Friday with the kids. And uh, so we did that, and we spent the night, and then we got up very early in the morning. And my plan was, let's get up really early because this is not our territory, and we'll be in eastern Washington. It's summertime. Who knows what kind of really cool garage sales we might run into <laughs> along the way. You ever watch that show, American Pickers? I'm kind of thinking, yeah, this could be my chance. <laughs> and so we get up early, and we're gonna, we still gotta go from Moses Lake all the way to Spokane. and. Um, but I'm thinking we got plenty of time. We get there by noon or something like that. I'll be happy, you know. And even though it's just a couple hours, so we we start driving, and our first thoughts were, well, let's you know stop and get coffee. And I started having this tension rise up in my soul. Don't stop. Don't stop. But Lord, this is prime time in prime zone for garage sales. There could be some really cool stuff here. And, and the Lord's saying, do not stop. Get to that camp. Okay. I can't tell you it wasn't an audible voice, but I had knew I had something from the Lord saying, "I know that you you have plans, Terry, but this is something different." Now he didn't explain to me the game plan; he just said, "Get over there." That's all I that's all I heard. That's all I knew. So we just kept motoring. So we come driving into the the campground, never been there before, and uh, it's probably ten minutes until nine in the morning. And uh, park the car, and you know, a lot of the leadership there are from this big, huge church, and so we're recognized, so forth, but there's this, like, swarms. Everybody in the camp is, w- they're, like, migrating like locusts. They're heading towards the beach. They've all had breakfast, and now they're heading for the beach. So I just, you know, do what you would have done, is I just get in with the swarm, and I start migrating toward the beach. What's going on? So uh, we're kind of asking, you know, what's going on? Oh, morning service, we're gonna be baptizing some people in the lake and doing some things. So, okay, fine, cool. And uh, we get there and the service is just starting and we're standing in the back. Nobody knew we were coming. The only people who know we're there are those who have happened to have run into us. There's hundreds of young people there, hundreds. Four, or 600, lots of them. We're just two people in this crowd. And uh, we're watching this thing going on and in about somehow after about five minutes, a young woman who was out of our youth group at Living Water comes up to me and bear hugs me, and starts sobbing. Boo! <clears throat> wow! Out comes the water, the tears, the snow, everything. It's sloppy, wrenching, sobbing going on. I know what to do. I'm looking at my wife. I'm just holding on to her, and you know, doing this, and you know, what's going on? <clears throat> when she gathers herself together. Here's the story she says to us. I this <laughs> amazes me still. She says, been here all week and I knew the Lord was calling me to be baptized. And my best friends are saying you have to get baptized. You got to get baptized. You got to get baptized. And um, and I didn't want to do it. So I gave God an impossible requirement. I said to my friends, if Pastor Terry shows up To baptize me, then I'll get baptized. Now, nobody except God, me, and my wife knew we were coming that day. Nobody knew. And she had set out this impossible fleece for God. It was sovereign. You know, I looked at some of the leaders, I said, Hey, I'm going in the lake, and they said, Yeah, 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 do your thing. And so we baptized her. But I knew that the Lord wanted to say some things to her that He didn't need my mouth for. The Lord was saying to her, I heard you. I love you. You're important enough to me. I'm going to go way out of my way to tenderly take you where you need to be because you're that important. Instantly obey the Lord when He's speaking something to you. What would have happened that day if we would have said, you know, Starbucks is calling. We got a little line to get through, and I'd really like one of those morning rolls. They don't have brownies, you know. Or, (laughs) or what if we would have seen the perfect garage? What if we had obeyed, delayed? We'd have got there, and they would have just finished the big baptism, and this this loving daughter of the king wouldn't have had that visit by the Lord because when she looked across the crowd and saw us standing there and God's impossible requirement had been met, she knew how much the Lord loved her. Instant obedience, you know, and you have no idea what'll happen. I just had this tension, get over there. We can't stop, we have to get there. I had no idea what was at work, what was at at stake, and I'm not telling you that every time you skip past a Starbucks that the Lord's gonna profoundly touch somebody. (laughs) (laughs) But what it does mean is this. You can hear from God. You can. You can. And when you're talking to him and when you're in his word, you can keep in step with his spirit because better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. So... Develop the habits of constant communications with God, instant obedience to God. And then finally, the third one is a daily desperation for God. Think about what the psalmist was saying. And we read this before. He says, my soul yearns for you. My heart faints for the living God. Christians, when was the last time you, you did this? God, my soul yearns for you. My heart faints for you, God. I mean, seems kind of weird, right? I mean, unless you are really in trouble, that's kind of rare. Let me tell you why that seems kind of weird. If it seems weird to you, it could be because you've lost your appetite for God. Because we develop an appetite for what we eat. When we feed on the things of this world, the good life, we can develop an appetite for the good life when God is something indescribably better. If all you ever eat is bologna, that's all you're ever going to want when there's this wonderful, perfect cooked steak. And it's way better. If all you do is seek what the world has, then all you're ever going to desire is what the world gives. But if you start to seek God, and you develop a daily desperation for him. Scripture says, says this in Psalm 34, "'Taste and see that the Lord is good.'" As you taste God and suddenly be, you become more desperate for him. This is what David said in Psalm 63, Oh God, you are my God. "'Earnestly I seek you. "'My soul thirsts for you. "'My body longs for you. "'In a dry and weary land where there is no water, I have seen you in the sanctuary and beheld your power and glory because your love is better than life. My lips will glorify you. When you're constantly in communication with God and constantly, instantly obeying him and you're feeding on him and enjoying him, you realize that he is better. And you'll never again settle for the good life because you want something better. You want his mercy and his grace and his forgiveness and his sovereignty working in your life. And you won't settle for anything less because better is one day and you won't just end up insulting God by saying here's my spiritual time my quiet time because whatever you do you do in the name of Jesus because everything is spiritual everything you don't compartmentalize you do life with God intimate, ongoing because better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere say it with me better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere good Lord, let's pray. Lord, we um, it's good to be reminded, Lord, that there is no such thing as spiritual. And it's really easy to compartmentalize our life. It's really easy, Lord, to to begin to think like, okay, I gotta have my quiet time, and that's my time with the Lord, and the rest of the day is my normal time. Lord, forgive us when we start to think that way. <laughs> Plant that truth deep in our hearts, Lord. I, I just would say, stay in a Prayerful attitude, church, and ask yourself this rhetorical question. You think back a year, were you characterized by doing life um, in an ongoing, unending awareness of God's presence? Chances are, you know, I think for most Christians, the answer is no. I mean, I'm going to tell you it's possible God wants you to walk with Him, constantly communicating, instantly obeying, and desperately seeking Him. If you know, if your heart would be tender before the Lord, he'll move you into that. Together you'll walk that way. And I don't want you just to memorize this word just for the sake of it, but I invite you to Lord to let the Lord set it free within your in your hearts. Lord, help us remember, God, that better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Better is one day in your courts, Lord. Lord, I pray for anyone here who walks with you, God, and there has just something grown, maybe a little stale in their interaction with you. Freshen that up, God. Just refresh that, I pray. Reset it, do what you need to do. But Lord, the people that are here have come because they want to be in your house. They're here by choice to be in your home. God, I pray that your spirit would have the best for us be planted down deep in our soul. Better, Lord, better. Thank you in Jesus' name.